Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. I actually, I want, to, I, want to, I want to vent about the Hollywood no for a minute. Have you guys noticed? It's like become, you know, it used to be people would uh, say no to a thing or they pass on a thing or whatever. Oh, yeah. Now there's just dead silence. And <laughs> it drives me fucking crazy. Right. Um, many, many months ago, uh, whenever it was, I was watching um, uh, the show when it was on. It's one of the few shows I can't wow. wait to binge. I actually have to watch while it's on. Awesome. And yeah, Nancy and I discovered it. And I remember like, you know, there's the first episode. I think we're like, oh my God, the music in the show is amazing. And then you see it's, it's Allison's daughter. Tiffany is the music uh, uh, consultant right. or whatever. You're like, of course it is. And my immediate thought is like, oh, I can get this guy. Right. I, call, I call him Allison. who is a, yeah. a dear friend. And <laughs> like, there's literally, as, as, as Sterling said, it's like everybody can't not love Allison. So I know the fact that oh, she knows true. him means he's going to do the show. And she's like, oh, right. I'll put you guys together. No problem. And I email him and there's dead silence. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure I missed jobs and stuff back in the day. Um, oh, I'm sure I missed a lot of jobs by you think? From emails. Just- I mean, like right now, like I'll show you. Um, and I'll tell you how about that. I have 43,459 unread emails. Wow. Doesn't How did you get mine? <laughs> I, I remember when that, because I keep up with them, but I remember when that's, but there's just like spam. And then I remember when right. that started, uh, like production just wrecks your inbox, you know? So every time I would shoot something, <laughs> right. it's just like, you know, you just can't keep up, you know? And then like, so every project you're just buried and right. it adds up after. Just and plus you're, and plus you're so years. busy. Right. You, know, right. you don't really have, you don't have the inclination to spend time reading right. your emails. Right. Uh, it's terrible. Well, I'm 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 glad we finally connected, man. Because it's uh, yeah. thank you for coming on. Because I'm I'm a gigantic fan of uh, Reservation Dogs. It's it's so good. It's so it just does everything I love. Um, in in it's 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 I can't even I don't want to gush too much because he's gushing. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's inappropriate. We're all professionals here. We shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> oh, but I, I I appreciate it. It's been a wild I mean, couple. Of, it's been a wild couple of years for me. I, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean yeah. to to. You know, you've made. I apologize. I've only seen one of your. I've seen um, uh, Meko, uh, yeah, and which I very Miko. much enjoyed. Miko, apologies. Yeah. Um, right. And I want to go back to the others. And I can. Um, you can certainly see that uh, there's a additional vibe brought to the work that I'm assuming I don't know is is Taika's kind of at his urging. But I know that I, I don't think. I, I mean, like, sure, Taika definitely has an influence, but um, you know, I like Miko's a thriller. 
I like thrillers. Mm-hmm. There were no time for jokes, but I also have a comedy group that, you know, called the 1491s that I've been doing oh, for years. Really. Yeah. I think that what you're, what you find, what you are responding to humor wise in the show is native humor. I think, you know, mm-hmm. like it's definitely that style, which Taika, you know, dabbles in himself. Um, and, you know, whenever, whenever I wrote the pilot, I remember, like writing the pilot, like I wrote the first draft and um, it was kind of like, it was kind of like having my friend, it was kind of like being, um, because I love Tyke's work and I've known known him for so long that I was almost like writing an homage to his work too. You know, it was kind of a mix of he he and I. Right, those early films. um, Yeah. 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 And like, so those flashbacks, like there's the sequences where you like, something happens and these quick flashbacks to show, like Tyke does that a lot in those early films. Um, you know, so there was a lot of that, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like people, especially in this industry, it's like, oh, well, this is the person that does comedy. He couldn't do horror. And like, what's right. one of the great things about this show is I get to show everything, you know, it's like, right. we can have a horror type episode that's funny. And then also like a darker, sadder episode. And then, you know, and then I don't know, it kind of, it's kind of like, a it explores different genres, which I, I find fun. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely interested because I, I am a fan of those, especially those earlier films of things like Boy and everything. Right, and, right. and watching your show, I was just trying to see. And then again, having seen a film of yours and, and having read a few things with you, I was like, what my, my sense was simply like, well, this guy came on and he just said, let yourself be funny. That was about it. I couldn't see right. that, you know, because it all seemed so very organic to you and to your right your vision your world um, yeah i mean it was i think part of it was just finding the right vehicle for it you know because like i said i've been i had um you know it's part of a comedy group where we would do sketch comedy and stuff mm-hmm. and lived on youtube only because no one wanted to give us money to make native content or any or right. native stories so we just did it on youtube for free and then that got popular within like the native community and so we would travel around and and get paid to do sh- live shows um and you know that was a big education in comedy and how it works and and also like how do we like i didn't know at the time but i was like studying how to introduce the world non-native people to native comedy right because we were doing shows sometimes that were not native and we would bomb sometimes and we had to figure out how do we make how do we kind of welcome them in because i think with native people any stories about native people it's like everyone always pulls out the tissue paper. You know, it's like, oh, this is going to be very earnest. And it's all trail of tears. Yeah. Yeah. These precious beings, yeah. you know, and um, we're going to, uh, and it's more, it's like white guilt is built into mm-hmm. that, you know, where it's like, okay, we're going to be really upset. You know, we're ready to cry for these people, you right. know, right. instead of saying like, oh, we're ready to laugh with them, you know, and like everyone's really yeah. afraid, like there's no laughing matter. So we had to really figure out how to um, introduce people and like let, give people permission to laugh with us on stage, especially we had to do that. And that, that idea sort of developed into William Knife Man, the spirit character oh my God. In, in the show, you know, like <laughs> yes. I think he serves that purpose, you know. Yeah, that guy is amazing. <laughs> He's one of the founding members with me of the comedy group. I mean, okay. Yeah, I felt like that's not a guy you cast. That's somebody that you right. had in your pocket. Right, for sure. Yeah, you know, he's incredible. And um, yeah, it's true because there's there's this whole thing that 
you know, overall, of course, you know, I, I, mean, I do, I applaud, I embrace the, the, the sort of finally Hollywood is starting to go like, oh, there's other stories. So much of it feels like what you're talking about. Like we have to find, you know, diverse talent to tell stories uh, about them that make us feel good about ourselves. Or you right. have to tell, I mean, there's so much black suffering going on right now right. in shows. Let it get well, I mean, the problem, Some of the problem is like, I don't know. I mean, it's worse. It's the, the worst is when it's people not from that community trying to tell stories from that community. And then it usually is some sort of suffering, you know? And it's yeah. like, yes. Um, especially with natives, it's just like, uh, and you know, then there's always these movies that come out like, I don't know, movies that are like, oh, but this is different. This is, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I could talk all day about it, but um, I just can't believe it took this long to have a show that was a native comedy. You know, it's like. Yeah, because um, when you see it, it just, it, it just slots right in. It's not, right. I don't know how many sort of words fail me on this, but it's not like you're sort of having to adjust your brain to grasp this alien right, culture. Right, right, it's like, right, this is a show right. about some kids in a world right. and the shit that happens to them. Yeah, and, exactly. They yeah. want to leave that world, but you know, As we does all have every, yeah. Like when I hear it's teenagers, universal. yeah, right. yeah, you can relate. And it's, um, and the, what my God, I mean, just an amazing talent on that show too. And it's one of the things too, that I think like, you know, I think where, where, uh, everyone who's not a straight white man benefits from the sort of thing is that there's amazing talent out there that hasn't had a chance yet. Right. Um, we've seen all the great straight white male actors pretty much at this right. point but like there's just there's nobody on that show who isn't just fucking amazing yeah there's so many great ones that you know i i, I had a show um i won't mention names but i had a show that i created with someone uh who's still a friend of mine um and he had a partner who is a big time uh, both of them well better way better known than i am uh, and his, the partner was the executive producer on the show. He was going to direct the pilot, big time director. You would all know who he is and have seen all of his movies. Um, he was executive producing the project and his buddy and I wrote it together and it sold and, uh, it sold to Showtime. And, but the, but they were like, you know, whoever the executive was at the time was basically like, you know, we'll do this but we want it written by you and this executive producer, not you and Sterling. And it's a native show set in Oklahoma. <laughs> they are non-native. And they were what like, what was we, the perception of your involvement in the show going to be? I mean, what was, <laughs> uh, I was going to be a consulting producer. Got it, it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So. And um, so, but I was going to not write it, not create it. Right. Even though I created it. Right. But you're going to, but you're going to consult. <laughs> Yeah, they were in a new script set in the same world by this other person. And so they, I was like, you know, I hadn't had any work. And this is like 15 years ago. And so I was like, all right, let's do it, you know? Right. Um, or maybe 12 years ago. But, um, and then in the end, the executive producer bailed because uh, he said that there's no way we can cast a show full of Native Americans. Like, there's no way. And so I hope he, he I, I hope like, Every review somehow finds its way to the one who talk about acting. You know, like, I hope so. I can I can relate. Um, dear 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 friend of mine, no longer with us, Harlan Ellison, um, had a I think it was a college teacher, writing teacher, who once told him, 
you should do anything in this world except write. You have no hope right. as a writer. You should get out of this. You're terrible. It's just you're lousy at it. And until the day he died, Harlan sent the guy a copy of everything he ever had published. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I one time was one of my mentors is Frank Pearson. You know, yeah. he wrote uh, Cool Hand Luke, Dog Day After Night. Yeah, wow. I, yeah, and uh, he read my script. I love, I love this advice because he was straight up with you. He wouldn't kind of sugarcoat anything. And he said, um, he was like, well, the good news is you're a writer. He's like, you're not a screenwriter. But the good news is you can teach someone to be a screenwriter. You can't teach them how to be a writer. Yep. And he's like, and you're a writer. So you have some work to do, but you're a writer. So that was great. Loved it. And he was yeah. sure he was right. He was right. You know? yeah. yeah, well, clearly, clearly. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, well, he that's was right I... at the time that I was not a screenwriter yet, you know, because I didn't. I didn't know right. the mechanics of it, you know. But that's um, yeah, but those are mechanics. But right. Totally. Yeah. Right. I have all that's you know, I learned to write first and I think mechanic the mechanics of it are very easy once you learn them, but you almost yeah. can't be taught them. You know, right. like like it's interesting that you can read a lot of books and kind of get it, but then like it has to be a amalgamation of a lot of different things that happen. I think experience, I think um I think failing mm -hmm. and I think um also learning and education help kind of come together and like somehow you you could figure the mechanics out for sure yeah well and also don't you think and joe watch this this is a masterful segue so watch and learn don't you think watching a lot of movies probably helps for sure <laughs> <laughs> boom ten of them specifically <laughs> you can tell he's done this before. yes yes i love i love when they just walk into my my trap um no it's it's uh but but i agree with you it, it's um it's frustrating to me sometimes to see people reading all these books on how to be screenwriters and not focusing on just basically so I have to be a writer first. And, um, but it's very uh, hard to pick these 10 movies, by the way. I'm sure we've had, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten sort of frantic emails the night before going, Can I, 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 I need to change. I need to change or the day of it's like, sure. Well, people complain, you know, because it is difficult to pull out 10 movies. At, it is because at any point in your, at any point in your life, you're going to have yes. 10 movies. You're going to have a different 10 movies last right. next week than you had last week. But, I tried to pick some that kind of related to the show for sure. I, yes, I, I noticed that. Um, I always, Joe mm -hmm. never sees the list. I have seen the list. Um, and feel free to change any or all of them. There's a couple that I definitely want to discuss with you. So if you drop them, mm -hmm. I'll come back to them. But, okay. but um, yeah, but let's, let's, let's jump into it. Oh, and by well, the way, also, I just found out, I apologize. I didn't know uh, you're, you're, uh, you're a competitor too. Apparently you've got a podcast. Oh yeah. I don't have it. It hasn't been going lately. Oh, okay. Yeah, it hasn't been going lately, but cause I started making a show, but um. Yeah, I did that for a long while. Um, and it was never like a, everything I've ever done has been trying to share and show a different viewpoint on Native people and artists mm. and life. And so I was interviewing mostly Native people and people from Oklahoma um, and having them kind of share their stories and stuff. So. Oh, very cool. Okay. So not yeah. probably not competing with us. But, not that's, but that's, that's still up, right? We could still, we could still listen. Yeah. To you that. can still check Podcasts it out. The forever, the Joe. Yes. Yeah. It's called the cuts. Oh, what's the title? It's called the cuts with Sterling Harjo. And it is up. We're talking filmmakers, Taika, you know, Jermaine Clement, like, you know, Joy Harjo, who's the American poet laureate. There's a lot of like Louise Erdrich, who's a Pulitzer yeah. prize winning writer. Uh, lot, lots of folks on there. Joe, cooler guests than we have, Joe. Present company, classier <laughs> guests, classier guests. Yeah, yeah. We get comedians and movie makers. It's a, um, but yeah, let's let's jump into it, man. Do you want to do you want to just sort of grab one and go or yeah, let's go. Wanna, 
Um, uh, you want to start at the top? Well, you yeah, want, uh, you want to pick one, or yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Why don't Why don't I toss about? Like you've got, and and this one, this one comes up a lot, and it's people always have a different response to it, which is interesting uh, to me. But uh, you're a fan of being there, right? I, I put that there because I'm really a fan of Hal Ashby. You know, mm. I mean, like, and, and Ty and I specifically have talked Hal Ashby a lot. You know, um, and I think the show has that. What Hal Ashby did great, which was like this mix of darkness sadness tragedy and humor you know and yeah. and and kind of like without skipping a beat just sort of you know exists in both those worlds and and it doesn't feel like an upheaval when you go back and forth between that yeah. tone and that's what i love he, he strikes a he strikes this balance really well I, you know it's like something that i strive to do with the show yeah and it, it's um it's funny too because it's it's not. Uh, I'm always interested in how some people can do it easily and how other things don't. But you know, the show is. And tell me if I'm wrong. It's primarily it's presented to the world as a comedy, right? And right. it is funny, and there are very funny things. I mean, very right. funny things that happen. And but there are uh, massive tonal shifts on a regular basis, right? Right. And they're not jarring in any way. Um, cause yeah, it's all kind of natural and organic, but right. you know, as, as opposed to say your very special episode of an old sitcom you used to watch where, you know, they drop the soundtrack for half an hour to right. take on an issue or something. It's right, right. <laughs> I love, um, I love making people laugh and cry in the same time. Yeah. You know, like I love like that roller coaster. And I think that's what, I don't know. That's the spot. What makes me love movies. Like if I'm laughing and also emotionally invested, um, and can get sad and tear up. Like, I mean, like that's the spot for me. Um, and to me, that is native humor. You know, mm. our humor is sort of built out of survival. Um, you know, not unlike Jewish humor. I think it's like, you know, the humor of oppressed peoples where it's like right. you, you had to have this to survive. And that's why I think Westerns are always so wrong with depictions because like, you know, they're never laughing. They're never funny. And it's like, and it's like, just like, it's like, if you've ever hung out with native people at any point in time in a group of them, all you're going to hear is laughter. And if that's not there, then you didn't depict it right. You know, right. Um, it's like, I haven't really watched Yellowstone, but the first episode that I saw, there was no humor. And I mean, the natives were just like, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, you put my headdress on. It's like, are you just like, that's it? Like, that's all you. That's what we do. Like, really? Like, I'm trying to think because I, I watch that show and I, I enjoy it. It's sort of, but I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, I think you're right. There's not, there's certainly not. You know what? You'd, and I think it's because it's, they're struggling very hard to be respectful. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's because you don't, Which, yeah. you know, there's no native in there to say, yeah. fuck being respectful. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell the too. truth. Yeah. You exactly. Tell the truth, you know? Yes. Um, and that's the thing is like, you know, you to make Reservation Dogs successful or to do it like we did, that's why I did have an all-Native writers room and directors because I, I we all had to be fearless okay. of going in. We had to be fearless of telling the truth and fearless of, of people getting upset with us, you know, for telling that truth because we're presenting something in a way that is, is the truth. I mean, like, Everyone that every native I've ever talked to that's seen the show is like, finally, someone has yeah. depicted what life is like, you know, and it's a 30 minute comedy, you know, but everyone is like, this is what life's like, where we grew up, you know, and where we live. And to do that, to, to, to do that, we had to have a lot of native people 
that we're not afraid to tell the truth, but also the support of FX to let us do that, you know, and like go, ah, yeah, do it, you know, go well, I mean, it. I don't even, you know, people like you use the term to tell the truth, which has a kind of powerful connotation about things. It's like, it's not even so much that is it just, it's just sort of honest. I know it's very yeah. similar and, and you feel that even if you've never been, you know, I have not lived in that world at all. And you're 15 minutes of that show and you're just like, this feels real. Right. Yeah, but most other most other people in Hollywood are walking on eggshells right now. Exactly. In this yeah. particular environment, and they're afraid, right. they're, they're afraid about so many things. And totally. That's why they're afraid been... of, of upsetting somebody. No, that's yeah. why there couldn't have been a white writer on my show because they would have been like, "Are you like like everything?" I, I would have had to walk everyone th them through everything. I would yeah. have had to explain. It had to be people that were not afraid to do that, you know, because right. uh, it is scary, right? Now, you know, like like people. People are afraid, and yeah. um, there's no way I could have done that. With like, people like, are you serious? Are you sure you want to do, you know, show that? You know, <laughs> right? Well, and also, but I would say, what, what I'd love to get your opinion on, because um, I'm thinking about what you're talking about. And one of my favorite westerns, uh, you know, since I was a kid, is Outlaw Josie Wales. And one of the things I love is is uh, Chief Dan George is hilarious. Yeah. In that movie. Chief Dan George is great. I mean, he was like- He's the, a cracker. Yeah. I mean, to me, he's like one of the symbols. He, Gary Farmer, a couple of people are these symbols of like, you know, uh, honest and like native humor. I mean, encapsulated, you know, like uh, yeah. he single-handedly kind of carried that uh, in these movies by himself, you know? And, yeah, and there aren't a lot that, of other, um, yep. But I think the smart uh, filmmakers that worked with him also saw that in him and let him, uh, I guarantee you some of that, a lot of that stuff was, you know, because a lot of, a oh, lot of it is his affectation and, and things and kind of how he says this. Very much so, um, yeah. 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 And that is very much like Willie Jack in the show, you know, like you could give anybody those lines, but the way Willie Jack says it, Paulina, Alexis says it, you know, it comes out of her mouth and you're just like, oh yeah. I love this person and it's, she's yeah. hilarious, you know? Yeah, no, that's the greatest when the actors who bring that, that quality. Right. Um, you've got another one here. I'm always trying to get people to help me with this one because uh, I, I struggle. I'm not that person who goes, if I don't like it, it's bad. I know this is, I just, right. I, I can't do the Cassavetes. I'm, I'm always trying to do the Cassavetes yeah. and well, uh, you're a woman under the influence fan. Yeah, I think people either like them or hate them. Like that's what I like about them. It's like there is no like middle of the road. It's like I either can do it or I can't. Right. And I have one time. One time I had a screening uh, at the local uh, uh, independent theater in town, Circle Cinema. And after hours, I know that I know them all. You know, and I've been on the board. And I had a screening of um, of the film Husbands, Cassavetti's film Husbands. And I showed it to a group of people, and it was like I. <laughs> Shat on their desk at home. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, like the the look. It's just like I mean, like there was like almost anger towards me for making them sit through it the whole time. And I can watch that movie and be glued and enthralled. And so, I and I know other people that love his stuff. You know, what? But but I mean, but but, and I get it. Like the fact that he does uh, irritate and enrage people is appealing to that. That that gives him points in my book as well. Even if I'm one of the people being annoyed. Right. But but beyond that, like even more than because woman under the influence just doesn't click with me somehow. But yeah, I'm that guy. I, I you love husbands and yeah, I, I go nuts. I'm like, I just right. I want to punch you in the face. I love I love his films. I mean, like there's some I can't get with, but like I love man, I mean like woman under influence to me feels so real. You know, and there's a moment in season one where um 
the bear's mom goes and hooks up with a doctor, right. Garrett yes. Hedlund, and she yes. wakes up in the bed that next morning. Well, some of that stuff, and there's some that was cut, was straight out of Woman of the Influence when she mm. goes home. When she takes the cowboy kind of Texan home and wakes up in bed, and she's kind of regretting it. But like I, 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 I you know, there's a soft music playing, and it's like white sheets and all this stuff, and it feels a little like, you know, um, and there's just kind of pieces of her being seen. Um, it was sort of an homage to that, but I love his films. I mean, there's something about the, the um, lack of care about structure. And it's like, he's editing these performances for emotion and mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter if everything sort of lines up and, 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 and cuts like, like I'm, he's a script supervisor's worst nightmare probably. Uh, <laughs> but I love that. Like, I love that he'll throw everything out for the tone for that. I think he's a very honest filmmaker as well, as far as like, um, I mean, that, that's, that scene where they're eating spaghetti and, and uh, um, Woman on the Influence, where they're talking about, you know, it's like, and Peter Falk, he's like, you know, there's babies every, you know, every time you turn around, like every time, you know, it'll be fine, you won't see babies for years, you won't see babies. And then all of a sudden, there's babies everywhere. And, you know, the whole time, Keenan Davis is just like going off and like kind of like, like making crazy noises. And the whole, that whole, all of his workers are there and they're all at the dinner table. It's so stressful. Mm-hmm. It's so stressful. Everyone's so tense <laughs> because Peter Fox getting louder and she's making noises. He's, he's trying to make up for the fact that she's going insane and everyone's very nervous, just trying to eat. He's, Mabel, your spaghetti is great. You know, and it's just like a boiler, like it's just boiling, you know, like, I, I don't know. I love that. I love in husbands when, they're downstairs. And I love that it's just like, I make movies that are about the loss of someone, right? Like, like how do people react after someone lost, you lose someone? I think people are very honest and I think people are very uh, open after you lose someone. So whenever you, um, and husbands, like it opens with photos of like four guys, you know, stills of four friends and then one's gone, they're at a funeral, you know? And the whole movie is like, how do they act after that? What do they do? What do they say to each other? I bet they act so different the day before he died right. than, than, than that whole movie, you know? And I'm really interested in that space right after that. So Reservation Dogs takes place after the death of their friend Daniel. We don't know what their dynamic was beforehand, but we, know, we, but we now get to see them in this raw state yeah. and see what they're going through and how do they act and how they react. And then husbands, when they're singing at that table, I love those scenes where they're singing at the table and it's like, no, sing, sing it for real. You know, you, you're a phony. You're a phony. You know, like, you know there's the apple bottom time in Normandy. And it's like, no, no, what are you doing? <laughs> and, like, and then they're in the bathroom and they're crying and they're drunk. I don't know, like, just like, I don't know. It's like showing humans in their, like, like worst, life. rawest form, you know? And like real, real life. His movies yeah, are like exactly. real life. Exactly. I think they are. And yeah, I, I, don't know, I mean, I'm hearing that, but, but you, you are, my friend. It's like, and I'm, I'm overly doctrinaire about this i think to myself like i'm, I'm a fanatic about structure but you, right. you are a structuralist your your right. your stuff like even you know in something like miko which i can i absolutely am positive some people saw that film and went is there a plot here and it's like right right God, yeah there is there's a first act there's a second act there's a third act. right right, right. You, you do do that stuff i very much am a structuralist though. like i i definitely like you know i'm a fan of cassavetes i don't know that i could I don't know that I, you know, they would say that he would watch a cut if people liked, like he would watch a cut with the audience and if people mm. liked it, he would go and recut it because too many people <laughs> liked it. You know? I, I couldn't do that, you know. It's possible that's a mental illness. Right. 
probably <laughs> alcohol. I'm not sure we should be more. Yeah, or just too much. Yeah, we shouldn't be louder. Right. So uh, right here, we'd like to take a pause for a minute to thank our sponsor. We didn't think we had a sponsor. Well, you, if you're listening to the show, you have to know we have a sponsor because we plug it incessantly. Moviesunlimited.com, the movie collector's website. They're not only huge fans of our show, but they feature many of the movies we discuss here. So you can easily find them to add to your collection. Sure, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want, when you want. And there's usually a ton of great content and bonus features like director commentaries, deleted scenes, and all sorts of goodies. So click the Movies Unlimited banner on our website and buy your favorites, old and new, at MoviesUnlimited.com. Shipping is always free on orders over $50. So go down to MoviesUnlimited.com. Uh, you'll also find they have a section there for our show, for the movies that made me. So if you're interested in checking out any of the movies we're talking about with Sterling Harjo this week, they're all listed. You click on them. Take you right to the place on MoviesUnlimited.com where you can buy them. Get them there. Uh, they're the best. We love them. Now back to our conversation. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, well, let's go from that to a real uh, uh, dark and complicated art film. Uh, Stand By Me. I don't think anyone's ever talked about me. Stand By Me on the show. We've done like yeah, I didn't 200 so. episodes. and. Yeah, I don't think so because I, I you know, I love that like you know, Rob Snyder doesn't always get talks about it, but like I love that like um Did I say Rob Schneider? Rob Ryan. Rob Schneider. It's <laughs> <laughs> true uh, about Rob Schneider too though. Right. So uh, <laughs> our guest this week is Sterling Harjo who's gonna talk about his ten favorite Rob Schneider films. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, no, we just say that we have like, discussed hamburger the motion picture on the show, so it's not right. it's not uh, you know everything's fair game. <laughs> I mean, Stand By Me was an obvious choice in connection to the show because it's about these friends, right? It's about these four friends that are um, dealing with death and dealing with their lives and trying to hide their uh, personal struggles uh, and come to terms with them. And there's nothing like death or, or in their case, going to search for a dead body and a boy their age dying uh, to kind of bring out some of that stuff to the surface. Um, I grew up in, a, I feel like I grew up in a small town like that, you know, where you can walk around on the train tracks forever, you know? Um, so there's a lot of homage to that, that movie. Um, I love the tone. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's not just a kid's show, you know, it's like, it's like, it's kids, but they're, they're it's very real. It feels honest and they're dealing with real shit, you know? Um, so that's why I picked Stand By Me. Yeah, no, it's a great film. I remember. And there was that, that period where Rob Reiner was starting to sort of pop up as a director. Right. So interesting because each film was kind of radically different. Right. Um, right. Whether it's uh, Spinal Tap, Spinal or, you know, Tap Princess yeah. Bride, for God's sake. Right. right. Uh, and yet I've been a solid so- director, honestly. I mean, like, he's, you know, you can, a lot of his movies are, I mean, come on, Spinal Tap, you know, a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a classic. Now, now doing a sequel, I understand. Right here. Yeah, but the guys are still alive. So, you know, yeah. take advantage. Right. Yeah. The right. um, but yeah, and I was also a huge fan. I thought that was just absolutely one of the best Stephen King adaptations ever. So I, I loved that. That for short sure. Story. And like you know, another movie that I was kind of the same. You know, it's like for me, it was Stand by Me and Friday. 
where there were two movies mm-hmm. that I looked at for that I thought that I would actually reference a lot, which is mm-hmm. probably not a lot of people do that, but like I was referencing it a lot, like because if you look at the houses in the on the reservation and in my show, you know, like Friday takes place in South Central LA, which is by everyone's account, like the ghetto's dangerous, scary. And but you you look at that movie and it's a comedy about a community. And so yeah, yeah. there's gonna be like a rundown house, but then there's like pastels and like really up people's houses that are they've kept up and like flowers and manicured lawns and things like that it's a mix and it's characters and it's community and and i looked at that a lot too whenever i was kind of we were designing the ideas for reservation dog yeah i was actually thinking when you were saying that i want to take back i I, I don't think respectful is the word i think respectful i think i think reverent is the word i was looking for because yeah friday is certainly respectful of its characters as you are but it's not reverent of uh, right. some kind of sanctity of the culture that we must not violate, you know? Right, right, right. right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's true. And it's, it's always, it's always great to just like, to see that there's something, um, yeah, there's something liberating. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like, please, people are people, you know, can we right, not exactly. just allow people to be people that we have to be. Yeah. Like, there's just been so many, there's been so many um, shows and movies about native life where it's like, Oh, and here's the, sort of poverty porn shot that's like right. you know <laughs> stock footage that everyone uses of like yeah. trashed in the yard you know and it's just like that's what it always is you know there's yeah. a dog on a leash and somebody's you know and then of course there's someone on a horse and then there's an eagle you know it's like <laughs> you know, it's like paint my numbers paint my numbers <laughs> you know early. why am i hearing what was the t- what was the um Oh, it was remember Ben Stiller show when they did Oliver Stoneland? Did you ever see that? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, Disneyland and Oliver Stone movies. All I remember is there's the guy from the Doors, the, the Native American, and you you go through and he's oh, standing yeah. there and he goes, "I'm an Indian, but I also represent death. I'm an Indian, yeah, but I exactly, also... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the weird naked Indian from Wayne's World. That's yes. Uh, well, actually, as long as yeah, let's 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 go back then to another um, uh, one of the rare. Uh, funny native characters. Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, juicy. I mean, fruits. I you know it's interesting because um, for me, I you know one time I sat with Haskell Wexler who shot it, shot one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and I was with him, the great cinematographer, before he, a couple years before he died. He was here speaking in Tulsa, and I went. No one was sitting with him at this like lunch break, and so I went sat next to him and. Um, I was like, hey, I'm a big fan, you know? And I, I was like, I wanted to tell you this thing. I was like, I'm a native from here. And um, Will Sampson was from my tribe, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, I just wanted to tell you, like, you know, I, I, I consider that movie, I, I think Milos, what Milos Forman did with that was really kind of amazing because I think Will Sampson's character, Chief, I think that in the, in the movie, he does represent native representation in cinema. And because to me, he's, you know, he's sort of uh, dumb and can't talk, right? He's deaf and dumb or whatever. And like, um, but he fool, he tricks them. And Jack Nicholson says, you fooled him, chief, you fooled him, you know? And it's like, so like, that's how we were really represented in the beginning. It's like, we were dumb and we couldn't talk. Then you get to this moment where Jack Nicholson gives him a piece of juicy fruit and Chief says, oh, juicy fruit, as he's chewing it. Yeah. And it's like one of the first modern things to be said in a modern context in, in movies with native characters. And then Jack Nelson hands him another piece of gum, you know, and he's like, you, you know, and he flips out. He's like, you fooled him. 
um, and I told uh, Haskell Wexler, Haskell Wexler this, and he said, uh, you know what? He was like, I actually gave him that line, Juicy Fruit. And I was like, <laughs> really? He's like, yeah. He's like, because, you know, Milos is, was uh, from another country, right. you know? And he was like, so he didn't, he just said bubble. He just had to say bubble gum. And uh, he, it was Juicy Fruit that they're using. So I leaned in uh, to Will and I said, Will, you should say Juicy Fruit. And that's what we did. And that's the Texas. So much funnier. It's yeah. so much funnier. Um, yeah, totally. And um, I, uh, I don't know, like, you know, side note, like, um, uh, there's a, there's a woman on my crew in the art department named Taba Sampson, who is his granddaughter. Oh, wow. Um, and her dad actually, and my mom dated back in high school. They were boarding school and they dated in high school. And they were like, um, uh, sort of king, homecoming king and queen at one point <laughs> at their senior year. And so Taba works on the show and in a, in a crazy, crazy way. So I wrote, there's, a, there's an episode in season two or two that takes place at a jail a woman's jail. And in homage to her grandfather, I wrote a part for her where she's playing basketball with the episode's main character outside because he plays basketball with uh, right. uh, Jack Nicholson outside. And so I have her playing basketball outside. But oh, four days before we shoot that episode, one of the main actors in that episode got COVID, tested positive for COVID oh. and couldn't be in the episode. So I recast Tava as the, this other main character in the show. So she actually has a really big part now, and it's Will Sampson's um, granddaughter that's in the show now. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Well, then then let's sort of, I want to stay on theme for a minute because you've got a few yeah. where we sort of get far away from this. It's so interesting. I, I um, uh, Dead Man and one yeah. of my favorite actors, um, Gary Farmer. Right. So uh, who's on your show, of course. Um, yeah. yeah what, what, talk about Dead Man. Yeah, I mean, Gary Farmer, you know, I, 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 that blew me away when I saw that because I was, you know, I was in college and it was the first time I'd seen kind of like a character that was a native character that was so complex, had so many layers and was really funny and was also outsmarting everyone always. Mm -hmm. um, he was always one step ahead of William Blake, Johnny Depp's character, you know, and he's sort of like. He's creating fantasy and sort of like, and through humor, he's also like, you know, telling, giving him bad advice, but good advice. And like, you know, he also has this history and he also has this history where he, you know, his insecurities are coming out because he was stolen from his people. And like, that's where he learned to read American poetry, like William Blake, you know? And so he's got this chip on his shoulder that he is uh, not Indian enough, but he tries to be, you know, but he's kind of a loner. And his only friend is this traveling white guy, William Blake, you know? And um, I don't know, there's so many complexities. And he's also kind of a spirit guide in a way, but he's not. You know, there's so many complexities to that character that um, it blew me away when I saw it. And then the more I learned about it, you know, uh, Jarmish and, you know, Jim Jarmish, whenever they were speaking native languages in that film, he wouldn't subtitle it just so the people that speak those languages would get the joke. And also... Mm -hmm. He went out of his way to really make sure that everything was authentic and like the right. clothing and things that people were wearing or where they were, where it was represented. You know, like somebody that didn't give a shit would have just put them in teepees or whatever, right. you know? Yeah. Like instead, yeah. you see this longhouse from the Northwest because it was Northwestern region tribe, you know? And like you see their kind of clothing instead of like, oh, everyone just looks like Lakotas, you know, like everyone always does. Um, so I don't know. It just really kind of changed my view of what was possible 
you know, with native characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, and I love Jarmusch's work, you know, I mean, especially some of the, the older stuff I re really love. Yeah. It's just, I, Gary Farmer is such a great presence too. Um, right. Shows up in, in the, in the, in the um, oh my God, why am I blanking on it? Uh, um, Ghost Dog or? Ghost Dog, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. and, uh, but I had first seen him and I'm wondering, am I going to, is this, have you seen Pow Wow Highway? Yeah, of course. And, and I'm actually, uh, are we okay with that a, movie or am I a terrible person for like? Yeah, no, it's great. I'm actually doing, <laughs> I'm actually doing a uh, reboot. Really? Right. Yeah. Of the movie or is it as a TV yeah. show? Uh, of the book, as a TV show. Oh, I didn't know there was a book. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's two books. Cause that was, yeah, that was the first time I saw Gary Farmer and I was just so knocked out by him. He had such a, yeah, an amazing, great. his, his war so pony. As, as Filbert. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's and wonderful. West Duty, and Wes Duty's in that too. That's right. That's right. He's also on your show. Um, uh, yeah, that must be a thrill though to, to get guys oh, like man, that. To be able to like cast them and like put, you know, even Zon McLaren, you know, who plays yeah. the cop, like to be able to give them comedic roles is mm -hmm. so satisfying. I mean, they just like went from serious, like historic representation films right throughout the years over and over and over. And to be able to just like let them be funny is so freeing and they love it. So it's been great. That's sort of the, the Robert Stack phenomenon, right? We finally let him do airplane. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, well, let's, let's, um, you've got some, uh, then you class up the joint a little bit. Um, uh, let's, let's, let's leave the confines of the United States for a moment. Stalker. I, I gotta, I gotta get with Tarkovsky. He's, um, he's still not, he's still not ringing my bells, but I know Stalker is the one that, um, people like more than he doesn't make short movies. He uh, that is, that is true. <laughs> you have to true. go to a different place, you know? Yeah. Um, I actually should have put come and see on oh wow that list because i i really love that movie um love it okay love is an interesting word i mean <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting word I, I mean I've, I've never i've never been so like horrified and like yeah stressed out by the end of the movie but like i i don't know like, I, I love that that movie was made right. i don't know there's something so captivating about that whole thing and i actually have a project that i'm doing right now um that you know, in the same way that I kind of look at a Cassavetes film, and but I'm still a structuralist. Right. I, I'm telling a story that has to do with horrors of war, and but I'm trying to tell it in a hopeful way. And so I'm not looking. Says come and see is not the movie to model. I'm not looking. <laughs> well, I'm not looking to come and see for the hopefulness. Right. No. I'm looking to not. come and see for the horror. Right. You know. Um. But anytime I'm that sort of affected by a movie in, in an experience and that I feel it, you know, I don't know. It just blows me away. And sometimes in, in Tarkovsky, um, I watched Stalker on a film print at the Lincoln Center a few years ago. And it was a whole new experience watching it like that. Um, you're just immersed in that world and colors and um, it's heavy. You know, his stuff's heavy yeah. and it's like heady and it's like, you're just like there and you feel like, you know, one flew of the, you know, or you feel like clockwork orange with your eyes sort of peeled back on the machine, you know? And it's like, um, but if you make it through, I don't know, it, it, his movies do something to me in a way that's very poetic and like 
I always am reminded of why I like movies when I see his work. Um, there's something that, you know, a single frame can move me. And um, that doesn't happen a lot with a lot of filmmakers, a lot of films. I feel like, too, as you're talking, I realize, like, I think he's one of those filmmakers, too, at least for me, that you, you have to see in the theater. I think so. I mean, like, I, I know that it's a big difference for me when I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Watching Stalker in a theater was very different than watching it at home. I mean, yeah, you can have the nicest setup at home, the biggest screen. It can look 10 times better than your theater, but but right. there's something to that, like, you can't just check your phone and get up and pause and go to the bathroom and, and right. you have to sit there and have it. Um, and you went somewhere for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's, that's such a that's such a, a big part of it that people forget that you know they're so right. used to now pushing the buttons and being able to get the movies on demand and see them and spend ninety minutes or two hours and then it's over and then you hardly remember you saw it. Whereas right. all the movies that that my generation grew up, you had to go somewhere to see. Well, because it was an experience. That's why yeah. you remember. You, you got it. Yeah. You, you either got in the car or you got on the train or you went to a theater. You paid your money. You sat there. You went home. You talked about it with your friends if it was if you were in college. And it was an experience and it was a whole right. evening as an experience. And now it's just sort of a, it's sort of a background part of life. Right. Although I was, I was talking to a friend the other day, not that I thought about this in a while, but back in the VHS days, we would, um, you know, go rent a whole bunch of tapes. And then I'd bring my VCR over to my friend's house and we had a, co a cable and we'd plug one into the other and we'd bump all the movies we had rented. And then we'd watch them at our leisure, you know, at much worse quality. You fit three of them onto a tape, and I would argue that that's an that. that was an experience. My though. family yeah. used to do that constantly. There was a, it's, uh, I'd pick up a tape, and it's got five movies on it. Right. I mean, you, you made it an experience, the actors, though, but we made it an experience. Right. We made it right. a thing, a process you had to go through to get to, right. not quite the same as going to the Cerrado, but you know. Um, and then uh, we got to do Kurosawa. I mean, you're uh, is is Rashomon your favorite, or is it just one that kind of most? Uh, no, I just threw one out. I, I just love a lot all of his work, and um, I don't know. I could any other day. I could go for a different one. Um, yeah. And you know, no one kind of like. I mean, when I was doing directing the hunting episode, you know, it's like all right, I'm in the woods the whole time. Yes. Um, and I watched a lot of Kurosawa because you know he's in the woods uh sometimes the whole time you know and it's like how do you kind of like use the frame and tell the story and move the characters within that frame with the woods as a backdrop the whole time you know it's like uh you know like it's a it's a different way of looking at the world you know like when i like i i go hunting actually and like i grew up like that and I grew up hunting and it's a it's a it's a interesting when you go out to the woods because you never see that you never find yourself in the middle of the woods you know like most people don't really you, know, what you, you mean go, unless you're doing something specific right unless you're doing something yeah. specific to go out there it's just not always happening and so when you do that and you spend hours out there everything starts to look different and then mm -hmm. you notice things different and like things begin to separate as when you're first there it's just a sort of like a it's just a sheet of woods. But as you're there, it's like everything's separating and you can, I don't know, things kind of pop out to you more. And emotionally, it does stuff to you too, I think. It makes you, um, I think you're alone with yourself like you've never been alone with yourself before. And no one gets that opportunity. You know, there's no, no one gets that opportunity. And so like, you have to really like yourself to hang out for, <laughs> you know, a 12 hour day by yourself in the woods, you know. Um, 
And I don't know. So when thinking about the hunting episode, it was like trying to have an experience where it didn't feel, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't boring. Like there was things happening and I had comedic moments and like also like using that whole environment as something to kind of, as a design element, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I don't get to control the woods. Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have that budget. Like I have to use the woods. Um, which takes me to like Strozek. It's on my list as well. You know, yeah. like, uh, Miko in particular, I started doing this. I did this with other films too, but, uh, Herzog had this way about, um, just kind of absorbing the environment that he was shooting it, right. Yeah. Like making yeah. it a part of the movie. And there's a specifically in Strozik, I remember there's a guy in a bar that was just at that bar and they filmed that and they just put him in the or it was a diner and they just put him in there. Um and when I shot Miko, we actually shot in a restaurant that was just it was a working restaurant. We just put a sign up and said, You'll be in the show if you or you'll be in the movie if you come in here. And you know, there's something that there's something it gives it a vibe, it gives it a it gives it a reality. Well, it's and a I was very- also shooting that's a very documentary like film too. Right, for sure. Yeah. And like I was, you know, I was working with um people that but that really did live on the streets. And um I I, I didn't want to cast a bunch of actors to do that. Like I, I had to have people that knew that experience. And so I asked if they would be a part of it, and they did because they could feel that it was a truthful story. Um so I don't know, that's why Strozik is on there. Um and Herzog's films in general, I've just been inspired by, obviously. Like, um, yeah. And moving back and forth between documentary and narrative, I do that as well. Right. Um, and, you know, the show has that feel as well, I think, too. And he is also very fun. Right, he's a hilarious I mean, guy. he is. <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that he needs to be all the time, but he's really funny. Um, no, I had, I had the, the, the privilege of seeing uh, what was his movie about the internet uh, recently. Oh, uh, The Void something? Or yeah, and... And um, uh, he was sitting just a few seats away from me. And it was pretty, because like the question is, yeah, does he know? And looking over and there's Herzog laughing at all the same things you are. And you're like, he That's knows, great. he knows. That's great. <laughs> That's great. But uh, yeah. Mean, he, ate and, a, he ate a shoe. So I got, he's that, got a, that is true. Of, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of Speaking of too, Les Blank though. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Les. I almost put him on there. There's a great film. Oh, oh yeah. Because there are no documentary is, makers here. In yeah. Oh, no, a, I'm sorry. There's one. There's one. There's one. There's a great film, though, that I almost put in there. I would have put in there, but I put Hardworn Highways instead. But there's a great film that was released a couple of year, a few years back that had been previously unreleased by Les Blank. Um, oh, the Leon Russell. Poem is a, yeah, Poem is a Naked yeah. Person. It's yes. great. And oh, it's so good. I don't know. It's really inspired me since I made that. I mean, I have a film called Love and Fury that has a documentary about artists that... Um, Poem is a naked person and heartworn highways are like the big influences on that, that film specifically. Yeah. And that was like for a while, he could only show it for somewhere. There's some legal hang up. He could, he had to be there. And then, well, Leon Russell didn't like it. Cause he was like, this isn't a film. Like, what is this? But right. then later came around to like, Oh, it is a great film. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just not what he had expected. Right. But, um, no, it's a marvelous film. And and yeah, Heartworn Highways. I was so psyched when I saw that. I guarantee you no one has ever even thought about Heartworn Highways <laughs> on the show. Do you know this, Doc Joe? Or no, it's um, definitely scary. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh like what is it, mid-70s when they did it? It's yeah. um well you here, tell me it's it's Towns Van Zandt and a bunch of other, it's about sort of 
how I never even know how to classify a kind of outlaw. Sort of outlaw. It's like the real outlaw. Like if, if Waylon, Willie, and Willie Nelson and them were like the sort of um, mainstream outlaw country, these guys were the underground, the real yeah. sort of the not 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 that they weren't real, but like they were the original sort of outlaw crew that was not uh, famous yet. You know, it's like Steve Earle. It's Guy right, Clark, yeah, it's like thirteen or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they were just, they were caught at this specific time before they were famous. And a lot of it is in Guy Clark's house, just jamming and playing and drinking. Um, and they break off and go talk to Towns Van Zandt and there's different performances. And it just kind of captures this time in Nashville at the time and in Texas that like, uh, it's really beautiful. I mean, like there's this moment where they're talking to Towns Van Zandt. And they end up interviewing his neighbor, who was a black man that uh, was a, um, he was a, he worked in metal, I think. And like, was he, he would make um, horseshoes mm. and he was showing them like how to do that and how to put a horseshoe on, I believe. And like, um, uh, but he's sitting in their house and they're all kind of drinking, I think. And Towns Van Zandt plays um wait a song called waiting around to die and he plays this song in the kitchen everybody's just kind of listening and this old man is just crying like tears are just like falling down his face as he's listening to this song you know it's like just these really beautiful moments of like almost like i love those documentaries where i mean i love all documentaries i love documentaries we have now but there's something that i miss and when i made love and fury that's why i kind of fought for this style is like it was before we knew what documentaries were now. It was a time when a documentary was just a, was just documenting what was happening. You know, and right. like you weren't influencing things as much and you were just kind of capturing the world and you would shoot forever. Usually you had one camera. And all of a sudden, because you have that one camera, you have to grab every moment that is interesting. So you're not just relying on the other camera to, to pick it up. You know, like you're there and you have a long zoom lens on your camera. So if something happens and you need to go in, it's your steady zoom that's going to be there. You know, you can't just cut into the other camera. Um, like Heart Warm Highways is not going to be a four part Netflix series. Right. Not at all. It's just not. I love that. I love that film. It really blows me away, that movie. Um, yeah, I, I can't do it through Steve Earle, who I'm like a giant fan. Right. I, I bought his first album came out the day I moved to LA and uh, I sort of stumbled across it and been a fan since then. And then finding out there's this movie where he's like 14 or something in it with all these other guys who inspired him. And then, yeah. And you see it like everywhere that movie is about five minutes away from becoming gigantic. Right. Exactly. Which is amazing. Yeah. All just yeah. It's around. amazing. And then there's like, there's a really great double disc or maybe even more um, vinyl. Uh, mm sort of box set that you can get that has the behind the scenes story of everything, which oh, wow. is really interesting. Yeah. And that soundtrack's amazing because there's songs on there that um aren't on the film. Uh like Elijah's Church by Steve Earle is on there. And that soundtrack is the only place you can find it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful song. I'm now making a note to go look for that because I right. somehow didn't know that. Um, I also, I got to ask, I mean, it's much slicker, but I figured you, you've come across it. Have you seen uh, Rumble? I have seen Rumble. Yeah, yeah, I have. 
obviously cool, you know, to see like a lot of those native um, musicians get their, you know, do. Yeah, no, it's, know, have you, do you know this film, Joe? It's pretty recent. Um, it's called, it's Rumble the Indians Who Rocked the World. And it starts with um, um, Link Ray and and rumble and it just goes through the sort of history of rock and roll and how many of the like most like key players in rock and roll were actually native americans right um it's pretty incredible the thing i i did not i saw it recently i was like i didn't realize that rumble had been banned which just cracks me up because you listen to that song it's like it should be banned right. Right. <laughs> it's filthy right. Right? it's got no lyrics but it's right filthy. exactly it is man <laughs> there's only one thing going on there right exactly but yeah, it's a really it's a, it's an eye opening doc. I didn't know half of that. And people interesting. Even I mean, like, it's been a really great place. I don't know being a native artist at this time right now, a filmmaker mm -hmm. that I am. Um, I, it's been so great to be able to do this right now at this period because it is changing. I'm a part of it, and it's and I can see it all happening in real time. Right and and. I don't know. There's so many stories that have not been told. There's so many amazing stories that have not been told. Like you didn't know about these musicians. Right. And then you like, right. you know, no, like most people don't know that like native native players changed the game of football. You know, it's like, um, no idea. Yeah. The Carlisle Indian boarding school that had Jim Thorpe, who later became an Olympian. Right. Uh, Jim Thorpe was on the team and, and they became, they, they changed football. Like they didn't do a lateral long pass. Uh, before that team and the reason was they were all small and really fast and they were playing these giants they were playing these they were playing the army they were playing stanford they were playing harvard and they began using trick plays and long lateral passes because they were they, they were faster they could outrun yeah, figure them. Out, right, right right and and that was the first time these trick plays had ever been used and i think there was an article one time when they beat harvard that said uh the indians outsmart harvard you know and i think it was like um <laughs> And it's like, there's so many stories that have never been told and history and history's got it wrong. And it's so exciting to be able to tell these stories and, and, and for the first time. And like, you know, I'm so happy that I was able to do Reservation Dogs. Uh, I, I knew uh, my, my whole career, I've just been like, oh, I know I can do this. Like, I know I can do something that can change this. And I was afraid that the wrong people were going to do it and they were going to keep perpetuating the lie because we also perpetuated the lie of who we are because it made money and it sold right. Right. that image of us sold that stoic Indian sold. And we needed something to shake that off and, and to sort of, um, you know, break those chains. And I knew that I could do it. I was afraid the wrong people were going to get the opportunity to do something really big and they were going to fuck it up for another 20 years. But I, I really wanted to get the opportunity. I'm just grateful that I was able to do it, you know, because I, I did it the way that I knew it could and should be done to, to really not to do anything, but to open the door and open the world up to all of these other stories that need to be told, you know, like yeah. it's going to get better and better, you know, because there's so many um, with the interest in reservation dogs, there's going to be so many more stories to be told. Right. And, you know, and even the filmmakers that helped make the show, um, they're all my friends and they're all really talented filmmakers. They all have shows right now. They all are doing other things, you know, and it's just good. It's that, you know, the next 10, 20 years are going to be pretty amazing, I think, for uh Well, yeah, because the, 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 hope, the hope is that, you know, through stuff like yours, where people will see 
that's exactly what you're saying. It's like, it's like remove it from your sort of sociopolitical, you know, ideologies and what have you. It's like, bottom line, here are stories. These are new stories, new stories about worlds you haven't been to yet. And I think um, when you do what you're doing, when you strip away the kind of reverence and the, you know, that, that need to make, you know, white people feel better about themselves and just do a fucking show about people that is fun and, right. and human. It's like, oh yeah, we want more of this. And more of this isn't your show. More of this is shows about people and places we haven't seen before. Right. You know, right. That, I know. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. And it's like, you know, I, there, there's room for all of this stuff. You know, it's not like it's, it's, it's not like it's either or it's right. not like, it's like, wow, well, like we're doing Brown people show only shows only now. No, but it's like, you know, let's all do it. And, uh, you know, it also like, they, they have to be good. They can't just yeah. be it for, you know, for its sake. Like you can't just yeah. say, Oh, well, every native should have a show. No, you gotta be good. You, know, you have to tell, yeah. you have to be able to tell a story. Um, and that goes back to being a structuralist and, and, and also like a fan of cinema, you know, I think. And like you said, you're opening the door, which is right. Which is the best thing. Yeah, it's yeah, my favorite and it's and that next step because those people you were talking about before with the the, the sort of the, the portrayals that you're talking about, I mean that that feels like it's a historically has been sort of an unfortunately you know I was go to like black exploitation and then sort of before that where you know a lot of people would like heap abuse on those sort of black actors in the 30s and 40s who were right. playing these terribly demeaning parts, but they were getting in there so that slowly yeah. but surely you know that could change. Yeah, I mean for sure. Like I think back to all of the westerns too. It's like yeah. Um, you know, all of those people, all of those native actors and, and, you know, there was a lot of sacrifice and, and old Jewish guys don't knock them. A right. Lot of right. Old Jewish exactly. guys playing yeah, Indians. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> like the, uh, what is that? Uh, Barton Fink when he's like, uh, we, we, we always have riders. We need Indians, you know, <laughs> we've got enough riders. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, uh, man, well, uh, Sterling, man, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it's just been such a pleasure having you on. I can't, the, the show is still, the new season is, um, April 3rd, August 3rd. Is it August 3rd? Is it, August 3rd? Is it yeah, um, August yes, 3rd. August 3rd on yeah. FX. And I believe also, what is it simultaneously on Hulu or sometimes yeah, on Hulu? Yeah. yeah. And, um, seriously, if you haven't seen this show, folks, it's just good. Um, you know, go, go, go jam through the first season if you haven't and get ready for the second. I can't wait. Um, I, it is my fervent hope that having had you on the show, maybe you'll like slip me a screener of the entire season. So I don't have to wait, but I, I would, <laughs> I wouldn't be so gross as to actually say that. Not, certainly not on the air. Ooh, yeah. right, right. <laughs> oh, I guess. I did. But yeah. really, man, thank you so much. And, yeah, and thanks so much. What, what's, what's next on top of that? Are you um, like, what is, like, have a, you know, I have a overall deal now at FX and, um, I have a lot of things that are kind of cooking and different. I have projects that I brought into that overall deal from other places that it's going to be great. There's going to be some, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming. So, um, all highway I did mention. So yeah, no, I'm very psyched about that. Uh, cool. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.